man who put Clanfer PG on the map for Wales. He's flirted with the wrestler Adrian Street, and he'll make a song about anything. From Wirral, Merseyside, UK, meet and greet Don Woods. This podcast is brought to you via my favourite platform, Skype. So a very good day, everybody. Welcome to our podcast for the 11th of July, 2022. Here in Spain, it is roasting hot. Uh, We were up to 40 yesterday, and believe me, when you're um, struggling through 40, you've got to live differently. It's as simple as that. But anyway, um, we know that there are problems in the UK. <laughs> have they got problems? We will certainly be talking about some of the things that I've been seeing on the TV. Uh, I'm sure Don will have things that he wants to mention, none the less than the intense heat, which I believe is up to the 27, 28 mark, something like that. Anyway, into the fictional plain, across the fictional mountains, country, seas, John Lennon Airport, and a disgruntled... No, I don't know. We'll wait and see. Maybe we'll uh, we'll find out any second now. Good morning, Don. How are you? Good morning, Vince. Good morning. How are you? Um, hot, to say the very least. Yeah, well... Well, we've been building up to this heat wave, mate. It's been going on for weeks, this. It's coming. It's, you know, and you see the weather forecast and there's, there's this massive heat. And I don't know where it is. Uh, I've been, the last few days, I've been driving around in my car doing various things. And it hasn't been above 19 degrees at any time, <laughs> mainly 17 degrees. Um I think the press have found somewhere in the country, some town somewhere right in the middle of the country, which is the closest to the sun. I think this is where they do their their research. And this heat wave, two days. We've had two days in the last, well, since the summer started. And the summer hardly started because last week I was wearing a coat on on a jacket. When I went out uh, yesterday, went on my bike and had a jacket on because it, you know, it's not particularly hot. But oh no, you watch the news. Oh, it's uh, well, we got to not knuckle down, keep out of the sun. This you must put sun tan oil on. Well, there you go. That that's interesting, isn't it? Didn't know we had to put sun cream on. And now this morning, I just watched the news. Sports day, kids' sports days. You can't send them out in the sun. Oh, it's going to be. We haven't had any sun. You know that this is the thing. Um, you, you see beaches. People are going on beaches, and they, they're being told to be very careful. I don't know how you survive over there, mate. And I don't mm. know how we survived when we were kids when we used to just go out all day. You know, with no no top on, <laughs> and no, with no suntan oil on. Oh yeah. Well, and now, of course, there's a. They come on. A woman comes on. Uh, water could be a shortage of water. We're heading for a drought now. Now, to me, we've had literally, literally two or three days of summer since it since the winter ended. Hmm. That that that's true. I'm not just making that up. <laughs> uh, that's where I live. 
But I, when I look at the television, it, it's there's this heat wave and it's 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 crucifying plants are dying. I don't know where it is, you know. And, and, anyway, but there you go. I, I so seem to it. remember. I seem to remember um, that it's always been thus in the UK. It's almost like there's an office which is hell bent. On, it should be called the Gloom and Doom Office, actually. Instead yeah, of right, instead, right. yeah, instead yeah. of BBC News, they should call it Gloom and Doom. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I mean, I remember sort of 1963, we had a flood, which I didn't think anybody would ever survive, which was East Anglia, I think. And then I can remember another one, which was over in, um, I, I think it was in Prestatyn and places in North Wales. And then, you know, you had this um, really big sort of event in Cornwall. And, you know, when they report these things, you would never expect a country to survive anything. Oh, you're right. (laughs) You know, so I'm really quite surprised that, you know, you switch on and everything seems to still be going on. That's the weird thing for me, you know. What the amazing thing is, they never mention Spain. You know, they never mention the heat you're having. It's always, oh, it's gone up. It's gone up. We're going to get 27 degrees. That that's it's it's the maximum we've had is 32 degrees somewhere in the country. See, all you've got when the wind blows, it's quite cool. You know, so they must find somewhere sheltered in the middle of some playground. Where I'm get I'm get the, the measure, measuring gear out. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's 32, right? It's 32 all over the country. This is what it's like. You put the television on. It's pathetic, absolutely pathetic. And people, I don't know whether people do fall for it, but now you know that that was the latest. Don't send your children out for sports day. Oh, you know, oh, the, it's dangerous and. Oh, for goodness sake, mate. But they don't seem to refer to other countries. You know, other countries are worse. Australia, you know, how do they manage? How do you manage in Spain? How do you manage in Spain? Mm-hmm. 40 degrees. Blimey, the country would burn here with that and go up in flames. It's pathetic. It's absolutely pathetic. And it's the media again, doom and gloom. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned Australia because I I just happened to bump into a lady from Australia while we were out yesterday. Um, She had a very unusual dog with her, so I sort of just asked her what the um, race was and basically we got talking and immediately uh, it turns out she's an Australian. She's here for a couple of months and uh, she commented on how bad it was in Australia uh, because that's where she lives. Um, But uh, when you look to... Uh, the weather patterns and everything else. You know, um, I might be wrong about this, but I think that if you look through history, you've had things like an ice age and, you know, things must go in cycles. So, you know... Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Iron Bridge in in Shrewsbury, I've I've said this before in the past, Iron Bridge in Shrewsbury, the little town there, they've got a, a museum and it's on the side of the river. The river being about thirty feet below where the museum is up on the up on the top there, and there's, there's a line in the museum on the wall about 
20 feet or 10 feet above where you're standing inside the museum. And it says this is where the river came up to in the early 1800s or whatever. You know, and as I've said, but what caused that? Diesel cars or diesel horses, <laughs> diesel horses and carts. You know, it, it, it's just stupid. And talk about the nanny state. For goodness sake. And when, when we were kids, we had a good time. Oh, you can't do that now. Oh, no, oh, no, you can't walk to school. You've got to go to school in a great big car, you know. Um, and they had a thing on, who's that, who's Thunberg? What's her name? Oh, Thunberg. Greta, Greta. Greta Thunberg prattling on about how dare we do this. And then they had an Australian guy, a newsreader, and he read out about the kids of today, what, what they, they have, what we did, and it was great to listen to, you know. So we basically tell them to shut up, you know. And, um, you know, ha, ha, they, go to, they go to school in cars, which are destroying the planet, according to her. You know, they do this and that. It was great, because <laughs> the Aussies say as it is, don't they? So, but that, I, think, that, I think part of the problem for me is that you've actually got, uh, you, you know, your government appears, we're talking about the government in a minute, the government appears to be a conservative government, um, but the policies that are coming out are cons- they're, they're, they're all communist policies. They're not uh, anything to do with a uh, conservative government. For goodness sake, can imagine Margaret Thatcher doing the things that uh, this lot are doing. It's utterly ridiculous. It's like a kindergarten. And as you say, to have this um, kid coming over from another country and pontificating uh, when, as you rightly say, all the children these days are being um, driven to their schools. You, you've got mayhem outside virtually any school gate because of all these yeah. big four-by-fours. I mean, you know, yeah. it's just nonsense, isn't it? Absolutely. We used to walk to school and walk back. And, and me. And me. And that, was when, that was when we were six or seven. Oh, you can't do that now. Oh, you see, it, it, it's it's just, and it, and all they do is put think, ideas into people's heads. You know, that, that's the trouble with, with like violence. The violence gets the oh, so this, this is happening in the supermarket. Just puts ideas in other idiots' heads. Mm. Don't report it. Just mention it, and it gets top report. Oh, because they're struggling for news. It's pathetic, mate. The news is just sickening. I turn it off. I don't watch it. Well, well, I have to be honest, I only do it for the podcast that we discuss, yeah, you know, but yeah. but otherwise I, I feel exactly the same as you do, because quite frankly, um, I, I really couldn't believe what was, what's was what been going on. Um, yes, Boris will, of course, be uh, out now, uh, but, you know, I grew up knowing that um, you, you don't tell lies. That's that's a basic. It's a it's a uh, under fives mandate that, uh, not a prime minister's. I can't believe now. Of course, we're all aware just how much this proliferates. How many politicians just lie? Um, but when it comes to uh, Boris, we can talk about a specific because we know what's going on. At least we've got got something to um, base our comments on. You know, if you can't tell the truth. You should not be anything near power. That's a big no-no. And, uh, you know, as a teacher who's worked with young children and right the way up to adults, the one thing that you instill in everybody that you can is that you've got to tell the truth. You, you don't 
tell lies. Why are you late? The first thing that somebody comes in late, the first question is you ask them why are you late? And they give you some stupid reply and you, th- you know, you shoot it down in flames and you give them a little punishment. That's how I used to start my day when I was teaching. Because quite honestly, if you can't, if they can't trust my word and I can't trust their word, we haven't got a relationship. Simple as that. Well, the thing is, it's not difficult, is it? You see, kids, you can't compare Boris, the prime minister of the country, with with a normal person. It's a massive job. It's not difficult to tell the truth. It's not, you know, which shows that he's a bit of a nutcase. He's done all right on other stuff. But he's out. Boris is out. And we weren't sure if he was out at first because the news was late with his speech because of Wimbledon. Wimbledon overran, you know. (laughs) To be honest, Wimbledon was far more interesting. But there you go. And the heat is on now as the hopefuls line up for the big job. And amongst the multicultural gang lining up, I think I actually spotted someone of English heritage in amongst them all. Um, uh, the press might have to learn how to shout, are you resigning, Prime Minister? And when you walk out of the uh, out of number 10, in a series of different languages, perhaps, you know, and not forgetting, this made me laugh, um, th- those who haven't put themselves up for the big job, uh, their sidekicks are now saying there's there's a, one of the women is put up for it or something, and this fellow's saying, oh, and and she really knows what she's talking about, and she's got a lovely smile. I thought, what a creep! He's trying to get a job, you know. So if she gets in, he's got a job. It's just so, oh, it's it honestly, it's it's pathetic, mate. And and you think this lot are running the country, you know? <laughs> but as I say, it doesn't affect me because I don't take any notice. And it does affect me, I know, in a way. But petrol's come down in price all of a sudden for about for about four pence. It's no longer two pound a litre. So, uh, you know, so things are looking up. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's pathetic, mate. Well, but these creeps, these creeps are great. You know, really creeping. Oh, it's wonderful. She'd make a wonderful prime minister. So if she gets in. He's in. He's got himself a nice little number, you know. I, I look at the news. It's not just Britain, by the way, but certainly Britain. You don't expect this is supposed to be the mother of all parliaments, and therefore, yeah. you know what hap- what happens elsewhere. You don't really expect this to be going on in the British Parliament. And quite honestly, um, you know, you remember uh, how they gathered to get rid of um, Margaret Thatcher, just as another example. And of course, um, Theresa May, you know, unfortunately, they have no honour at all now. And that's where really I find that there's a big, big problem. Because if you've actually linked your state to the church which they have. The Queen is the head of the church, she's the head of the state. And then they don't keep any of the commandments because at the end of the day, if the church, the Church of England is supposed to be a Christian church, you don't really ever hear anybody talking about the Ten Commandments anymore. All you really see is tolerance of everybody else but the Christian faith. And I'm afraid um, that that's the basis for me of where your problems lie. 
Yeah, well, it's always been the same, hasn't it? Religion has always been a, a major problem, the cause of all sorts of wars and all sorts, you know. But, you, you know, I, I don't know. I look at this lot and I think to myself, I mean, I'm, I'm getting on now, but I could go in there and I'd, I'd tell them all where they're going wrong. Uh, they haven't got a clue. And they're kidding people. But I don't know whether they are. Because when, whoever you talk to thinks the same. They're a bunch of idiots. You know, it, it, it's, as if they're, they're, the, it's as if the television is projecting to a very small amount of people, you know, who, who, who take it in. It, it's just, it's, it's so pathetic. It, it's, it's laughable. Well, another, you know, po another possibility, you see, is, of course, as we have got older, uh, we've got presumably wiser and presumably we look back on these young people who have yet to uh, prove themselves and make their mistakes. Uh, in actual fact, I mean, maybe it was ever the same. I don't know. Maybe, yeah, it, yeah, maybe yeah. it's because they've allowed politicians to become too young. That could be part of the problem. I don't know. Yeah, As you say, you tend to forget what we were like. You know, it's like someone razzes up the road on a motorbike. And people go, oh, it's disgraceful, you know. But I was the same when I was young. I did that. You know, I, I was a bit of a tear away. I used to go out and get drunk. It didn't cause any trouble. But, you know, you know, you, 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 people tend to forget, you know, when we were young, you know, when you're a young lad, you know, you're looking for a laugh, aren't you? And, and oh, you know, most young lads have one. <clears throat> they don't cause any trouble. Most people, it's only the ones that do, they get the publicity. Oh, there's a fight in Liverpool. Oh, you see, and it's on the news. Well, you know, it's, well, it's not news. You know, give us some news, some, some something that's happening. You know, that's the trouble with it all. And as, as the problem is, as I say, is the media. The media cause so much. They wind you up. You come on in the morning, everything's negative. They're winding everybody up with, with negative news because there's not enough news to fill the 24 stupid hours yep. that they're on. That's yep. the trouble. We don't know. You've got, they're going on and on about, you know, Boris. And there's a war going on. Russia and Ukraine. You know, that, that seems to have slipped to the back of the news now. We don't get much of that now. You know, that's the trouble with it all. And, and they must all be running round their office in the, in the media, in the BBC, all running backwards and forwards. Oh, has anybody got any news? Oh, yes. Mm. Oh, yes. There's a heat wave in, in some village in the middle of the, right in the middle of the country. You know, we'll use that. It's pathetic. Don, <laughs> I, I wonder sometimes why I, I feel so strongly about certain things. Now, I went to a Catholic grammar school and every day, Half an hour, we were instructed how to behave ourselves. We were told about, you know, uh, obviously uh, that you don't lie, that you don't um, steal from people, you don't covet other people's things, you don't always want to go out and have sex. You've got a paper and papers that are telling you nothing but the contrary to what that information was so if you've got people growing up and they're not getting properly educated and properly 
given ideas that should be the better ideas, then don't be surprised. What, what does surprise me more than anything is that it purports to be a, a conservative government and it totally and utterly seems that the country is going more and more left, being driven by the BBC brigade and by all the lunatics out uh, who are running away from people in the asylum. So, you know, uh, it's just a disaster at the moment. And right, but what see, a the shame. schools, the schools aren't really there to look after children. They're there to teach you education, aren't they? You know, the parents, it's the parents' job, really, to teach the kids right from wrong. That My parents taught me right from wrong, you know, and I went to school and I learned how to add up and to multiply and, and where, where things were in the world, geography. That's what a school's really for. But they expect schools to look after these, bung their kids in school and you look after my children. You know, you, no, it's, it's not, just... not quite right, Don. What, what they're doing, what they're doing is they are brainwashing the children. The parents, for many years now, don't seem to have been taught how to behave in a moral way. Okay, it's a bit older, so, you know, we we tend to not use these words as much these days. But, you know, you need a moral code. I mean, you can't really have a justice system that works unless people are living in that way. And the trouble is, when the kids are going to school and being indoctrinated by left-wing teachers and being taught that, you know, there's no such thing as a boy and a girl. I mean, I've never heard any no, such nonsense yeah. in my life. And yeah, they're overriding right. any last vestiges of morality that the parents had. And unfortunately, if you stopped your religious education in schools many years ago and you don't really give a moral guidance and then you've got TV with soft porn on like the likes of that Love Island and many of the other programmes, plus a dose of violence every half hour and... Um, just about every soap opera, making sure that uh, you've got as many people from the minorities as possible. I mean, it's just nonsense. Yes, it is. But you see, the thing is, <clears throat> I don't watch it. But then again, there's nothing to watch. All I ever watch, really, I, I enjoy sport, watching the sport on the telly. They do that well. I don't watch anything. I, I watch things I, I've recorded during the night, a comedy bit. So I, I, I watch stuff I want to watch. I don't watch the general television because there's nothing worth watching because it's absolute rubbish. Like you say, the soaps, it's just it's just garbage, you know, and it's violence. And you watch a film and it's all about violence and the police. All the films like the police, you know, the American police and gangsters and everyone getting shot, for goodness sake. And you see the thing, but the thing with the country, with any country, law, their law, is survival law is survival if you you know that that's why there's laws so people survive so you've got to obey the law of that country you know if i went to afghanistan i would obey the law there but they don't seem to do that here you know they, they have they bring their own laws with them you know that that's a problem you know but there you go well you, know. you only need to look at what's going on in sri lanka to realize that if you don't have your your fairness your equity laws to apply that fairness that's where you're all going that's where everybody's going unless you have the law and order 
That's unfortunately, right. uh, that does begin with teaching people. Um, you, you know, I go back to my teachers. I thank to my te- uh, I thank my teachers for what they've made me. Um, I don't necessarily always have to be right, but I know when I should react to certain things. And when somebody tries to tell me that a boy isn't a boy and a girl isn't a girl, something very devious is going on. I've told you before what my suspicion is. I know that there is a lot more to this than meets the eye because, quite frankly, you only need to look to the countries who are sitting quiet and letting everybody make the mistakes. You know, there are people that want to rule the world, Don. Uh, I've never wanted to rule the world. I just want to be living peacefully within the rules of wherever I'm living. I'm very, very sad to leave the UK in some respects because I could see the the way that things were developing. And as somebody in the teaching profession, I just felt that really I'd gone as far as I could because we were being superseded. When you look at the likes of the soap operas, they um, don't forget, you see, you're not like most people. You've made your mind up. You've got a strong mind and you act accordingly. If you're sitting and gawping at TV, I can remember the first kiss when um, they tried it on in EastEnders. And so you had, um, you know, the first homosexual kiss. And so they test the water. There was a real outcry about it. And then, of course, they'll go quiet for a while. They'll leave that one alone and then they'll come back in. Um, Just wait. It won't be long before your soaps are full of transgender you know, I was looking at the yeah. popu- I was looking at population levels yesterday, just out of interest for myself. I looked at the fact that you know all the uh, adverts in Britain have gone black for some reason. Look, I don't have problems with black people. I've got lovely friends who are v- lovely black people. I've got um, I've got footballers that are great to watch. I've got musicians who I've grown up with. I loved the Motown sound, James Brown all those things that influenced us. And unfortunately, you now have a rather strange situation because I looked at the population statistic. Guess how many, according to the official figures, what percentage of the population is black in the UK? What would you say? No idea. I'd say probably 20%. Okay. The official figure, Don, is 3%. I, oh, right. I could yeah. not believe what I was reading, actually. Now, see, it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter to me. Well, of course, care, it doesn't matter to you because, like me, it doesn't matter to me. It's what people are doing with the information. It's always been the case. You know, don't forget the white minority in some countries have had terrible terrible ways that they've looked after the the uh, i'm thinking of south africa straight away uh, and uh, rhodesia and countries which are now um have got the problems in reverse but i mean the trouble is if you don't treat people with respect and dignity and fairness yeah. sooner or later there's a turning it's there's everything it's the it's the laws of sort of gravity and and everything isn't it that you know what goes up comes down and you know it's all that sort of stuff isn't there it's Difficult to be nice. That's that's what need two things need teaching in school. Teach kids imagination so they can so they can work out things for themselves and sort out their lives. Imagine get up in the morning and at the weekend when they're not in school and say, I think today I'll go and look look at the lovely scenery. But they don't do that, you see. 
that that needs teaching to them you know and to be nice if you're nice to people they'll be nice back and it's not difficult to do but they get a, people get in a car and all of a sudden they're aggressive they change get in the car and then you know someone pulls out in front of them and they're tailgating them you know it's, but it's if you're being like... you see you're being taught differently this is the difference yeah. when you well, and i what? went to school we relied on the teachers who were had to be qualified now you've got the tv you've got the video games you've got their own little phone their own little world if they haven't been given the guidance by the parents who might not have had the education in the first place because they're another de- de- generation coming by then all as they're looking at is violent films and and games right. that you know yeah. are violent yeah. and and therefore sooner or later don't be surprised if everybody goes around being violent that to me is is fairly abundantly clear uh, as to what the, the part of the problem is. Don't forget, we came we came from a Christian country. It isn't yeah. a, it isn't a Christian country anymore. No, you got to remember though. You know, we people evolve in different ways. You know, there's people thousands of years behind the rest of us walking around dressed like us. You know, it, it really, it's not that long since you come out of the caves. You know, to be to, to, to put it mildly, you know, that they're the violent ones, you know, in another thousand or odd years, that they'll be normal like us. It's got to be like that evolution. We can't have all evolved at the same time. You know, we can't have all have come on the earth at exactly the same time. You know, people are still evolving, you know, from, from wherever we've evolved from. That's my my attitude. And, and you, you look at people and you think, oh, well, he's he's got a long way to go. You know, that fellow wandering down the road with his, his shorts on in a straight line, not moving out from anybody. You know, but, but you can handle that. It, it, if people are that way, you can handle it. You know, just don't 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 square up to them. Just, just be nice. You know, but you only learn that with age. You know, with age, I, I've learned that. Certainly, over the last twenty years, just you know, not not to get involved. Well, don't, well, don't forget, you, know, you, get the, you get behind the wheel of a car, and someone pulls out in front of you, and you're, you're honking your horn. You don't need to, because it's it's only going to last ten seconds, then they're gone out of your life. But you honk your horn, they stop, they get out, then you got a problem. Mm. You see, that that that's what people don't seem to realise, you know. But if you think about it, you see. Um, the only way you can stop all this now is do what classic dictators and um, communist parties and people like that do. And that's put the lid on it because basically you could see... I saw something yesterday which I think you will see when I start explaining what I mean. Uh, When you look at Wimbledon as a good example, okay, we don't like all the pomposity, but... When you look at the pomp and the ceremony and the great side of Wimbledon, you know, when you see the final, it's controlled violence. Let's be honest about it. To actually hit a ball 125 miles at somebody and he's supposed to knock it back is a violent action. But you teach a skill to control it. And you ask the participants to turn up wearing white because basically uh, that's the code for this particular tournament. You then have uh, umpires, people watching to see where the ball lands. There are always things that are going wrong, like the ball is called out and yet somebody's sight is so 
wonderful that they can actually see that the ball touched the line and they claim it. The, um, the, the uh, uh, I forget what it's called now, but the television shows you that the ball was in. And so you've got the likes of Kidius, who basically um, was the bad boy in the final. They tried to make out that um, Djokovic was the bad boy because he, he hadn't taken the, um, the vaccine, which he believes firmly should not have been taken in the first place. So they tried to say there's two bad boys. There's not. Djokovic hasn't got a reputation for being foul on the court. And then when you actually look at the end of it and you wait for the dignitaries to come on, whether we like it, whether we don't like royalty, whatever, it's a way of actually behaving. And I thought Wimbledon was rather special yesterday. Um, I thought the tennis yeah. was wonderful, but I thought the the way the whole thing operates shows you there's something to be respected and lived up to. That's how I feel. Well, it's sport, isn't it? it, it it's you see, you got to play tennis to appreciate Wimbledon. You got to you got to have played it, which I have. And you know, if you don't play tennis, you don't realize how good and how difficult the game is. And as for Djokovic. He didn't want to get the jabs because it, it would affect his fitness, he reckoned. He wasn't against it. He just said he, he's, he, he, he's on such a high level of fitness that if he wants to win stuff for the next few years, that could affect him. That was his reasoning. But, you know, whether it's right or wrong. But you see, the other guy, Kyrgios, that's what people want. He's entertaining. They want him to be shouting and bawling. And so people can say, it's disgraceful. And it isn't. It's great. And people love it. As I said the other week, you know, you watch a rugby match and a big fight breaks out and people are going, oh, it's terrible. And people are loving it. You, you know, you, that's you, what you, they want to see, you know, as you well know. But you see, with, with Wimbledon, I thought it was great. I watched the whole, I've, I've been watching it all week. I think it's fine. I love tennis. And um, except they could do with a bit of gaffer tape in the, tape in the commentary box, you know, for McEnroe. Djokovic, Djokovic was born in Moscow. You know, why do we have to have him on, yapping all the time? Joanna Conter was another early on in the, in, in the commentary box. They're yapping, yap, yap. Let's watch the game. I kept saying, oh, well, shut up. You know, when I'm, when I'm watching on the television and you can't turn the sound off because you need to hear the sound of the ball to get the atmosphere. So you're watching and Joanna Conte, she's prattling on and what she should do is this and what, what, what she's probably thinking now is this. And then she's serving. And I noticed also on Wimbledon, they missed a few of the serves. They were so busy being clever with the camera work, they missed some of the actual serves. So, but, you know, and, and also... Um, the wearing of white, uh, the ladies have complained. I don't know if you know, because with about their monthlies, yes, you know, the yeah, I saw this, monthlies, yeah. which you know is is right, really. Well, why has it but, never come to? Why has it never happened before, Don? Come on, we're yeah, we're we're, right, we're right, also. It did. It did. You didn't have to wear white, but I can understand that. You know, if if. Uh, you know, you know, it, it, but it doesn't matter. But as you say, it's all white. But it's like this click. I don't like clicks. I don't like clicks. I don't like golf clubs and 
and things like that where you've got to stand up and the captain comes in. It's rubbish to me. It's rubbish. Don, look, you know, I agree. Just... I agree with everything you've just said. The only other way of looking at it for me is that I've seen semblances now of how it acts or how things work when you don't have that type of formality. If you try to be too informal, you get the rubbish that's going on in life now. And I think that's one thing that everybody should be starting to learn. I really was one of the um, early rebels that saw that the golf club and the tennis club were like the last vestige of the British Empire. But I think that the formalities and the rules and the regulations pertain also to the likes of the Ten Commandments. And it's not fashionable to talk about things like this. But unless you have some rules and people who apply them and can keep them and not have a prime minister who lies to his back teeth, um, I don't forget the next lot are going to be lying as well, because quite honestly, oh, he was say, he, say, he was brazen. Look, we better move on because we, we're, we're looking as if we could finish on just two topics today. Uh, I didn't uh, I didn't really understand where you were coming from straight away. I do know the terms upskirting and down blousing. Yep. Tell me yep. what's happening. There's a move afoot to add down blousing to the illegal upskirting. Right. I think I've got the answer to this. A nice jumper and a pair of slacks. Problem solved. You know, instead of a low-cut blouse and a miniskirt half an inch below the bum. That's the problem. And they're moaning, you know. You watch the tennis and they're wearing short skirts. They serve and the dress goes up at the back. Blokes are going to watch this. Blokes look. You can't help it because it's evolution. For millions of years, billions of years, They've been looking at women. That that that's it. You can't help it. It's just nature, you know. But oh no no, we we got see that. I'm going to wear this tiny skirt and walk up says, "How dare you look at my dress?" Oh, oh, I mean, I'm taking photographs is just stupid. You know, it's ridiculous. But I mean, down blousing. <laughs> that was a classic, you know. So wear a jumper. There you go. Problem oh, solved. Okay. Wear, wear a jumpsuit. Problem solved. Oh, no, can't wear slacks. I've got the right to wear a tiny skirt just below me bottom. You see, the, I've got the, the, right the, 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 so the trouble really, Don, is that everything is, it's like um, one group of people. No matter what the, the subject is, people seem to think there's one rule, blanket coverage, uh, whatever we say applies to everybody. It doesn't work that way. And let's be honest about it. There will always be girls who are a little bit more flirtatious, um, who don't particularly uh, maybe want to cover up and that sort of thing. And there will always be blokes who take it too far. Let's be honest about it. Anybody who puts a camera up a girl's skirt or down a girl's blouse, they need booking. Because it is absolutely not on. It's downright, it's more than bad manners. It's just, it's out of order. Um, but having said that, again, look back to what history has taught us. The Victorians maybe had their skirts a little bit too long. We went to the 60s and the 60s and they start having the miniskirt. Now, it's not a miniskirt, it's a micro skirt. In fact, I wonder, is it a skirt at all? Is it not a long belt? I mean, the problem really is that whatever rules you put in, there's always somebody that wants to break them. That's the problem. 
well, all girls are different. They know what they're doing, a lot of them, you know. Uh, and you see, it's, it's all one way. Oh, the, the, the girls are getting taken advantage of. You know, he raped me 20 years ago and he's got millions now. You know, why didn't he say anything 20 years ago? I, 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 know, it's, I know it's different now, but you get a bit fed up with this, all this business. It's all one-way traffic. You never hear the other way round. You know, a bloke complaining that a girl was was exposing herself in the office, and and, and he was offended. You never get it that way round. It's always the other way round. You know. But it's the um, oldest, the oldest trick in the book. Uh, you know, the the, the feminine uh, way of maybe uh, getting on and leaning forward, and you know, the cleavage and all. Yeah, I mean, all this has been going on for so long. Yeah, it's just yeah. that the making this nonsense become news it isn't really is it no no it's well it's evolution speaking of which <laughs> on the subject of evolution i was once signed to a company called evolution records thanks to your mate leapy lee he he got me into this company uh, way back and uh, to, to change the subject for a while him and this was my first experience of being signed to record companies in the mid-70s. And they had Georgie Fame and Mud, the group Mud, and a few others on the books. And I actually wrote a song for the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band and one for Diana Dawes. And uh, they, they went a bit cool, the company, and I thought, aye, aye, sounds like they're going under, which they were. And... I rang Diana Dawes up. I thought, I wonder if, because I think Leapy gave me a number. And I thought, uh, uh, I wonder if um, I, I'll get through. So I rang, <laughs> rang this number and Diana Dawes answered the phone, <laughs> which much to my surprise. Anyway, I asked her about the song and she said, oh, yeah, she's lovely. She said, oh, yeah, she said it was a great song. And, uh, you know, uh, I don't know what, I think the company are going bust. She said, I haven't heard anything. And I said, oh, I said, I, I th well, they said it wasn't that, that good the way you sang it. Oh, no, she said, I was, it was great. I was well in tune. She said it was a great song, but I think, I think they're going under. And uh, she was really nice. And it did go under the company, but that taught me a lot, you know, and that was my first meeting with Leapy Lee. Mm -hmm. um, and you were, I met him up here, actually, at, at our rugby club um, with Angie McCartney. She, she knew him. And I got introduced to her and, and Leapy Lee. And, and we went to see Leapy on, on, on a Liverpool show. And um, his drummer, I think, Strangle My Boss, that was the song. I'd like to strangle my boss. That was the song the Bonzo Dog Doodah band did. And, uh, and that was it. I think it so was... The rest was it, but from that, go on. Uh, well, I was going to say, uh, I better just quickly, sorry. I just better quickly tell our listeners that Diana Dawes was a very famous British actress who was like the Marilyn Monroe of British movies at the same sort of a era, really. So that just gives you, a, a, yeah. you know, a marker. And Leapy, of course, had uh, Little Arrows, which yeah. 
was at number two, kept off the top by the Beatles. Uh, Leapy came over to my radio show in Spain and um, we got to be uh, very, very good friends, actually. And um, we make podcasts with Leapy as and when um, because Leapy's busy doing a radio for, um, I can't remember the name of the station now, but, uh, you know, he's enjoying doing radio, which is great. And I went to see him in uh, Mallorca in um, one of his uh, gigs. And obviously, you know, it's nice to go and see somebody that's still around after being part of the scene. So what did you make of Leapy yourself? Great character. He, he was a great character. Very, very interesting folk. Well, I went down to London uh, with him, or I met him in London, and he, he took me to this uh, record company because he said this song, he said they'll, they'll like this song and they, they, they want to sign you up as a songwriter. So, you know, I met him in London and we had a wander around London. A great character, a nice fella, funny, witty, witty guy, you know. And um, that was it. So <laughs> we went to this. But it, 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 as I say, nothing happened. But from that, um, I, I started sending songs out again to publishers. And one publisher in London replied and said, one of our members, uh, 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 one of our uh, staff, has opened a publishing company in Birkenhead where you live, Angie McCartney, which is Paul McCartney's stepmother, who I'd met via Leapy. Just shows you how, how things happen, you know. And he said, if you go in there, they, they'll be interested in, in you. So I wandered in. It was in, in a place called Hamilton Square in Birkenhead where they'd set up this publishing company. So I wandered in, and there's Angie. Oh, how are you doing, Don? Oh, you know, with the world, Pally. So they signed me up. And I was with them for a few years. I wrote stuff. And they had Gary Glitter on the books. And because um, uh, I know Brian Jones, the sax player, he, he was in the Glitter Band. And I learned so much about publishing from Angie and, and her daughter, Ruth. Uh, so when they they eventually decided they were going to America, where they are now, and I thought, and Ruth said to me, just do it yourself. You don't need publishers because all you're doing with the publisher is giving them the opportunity to get 50% of whatever the song makes. They don't do anything for it. You know, you you could do it. All they do is send it to artists. And she said, get, get the book, Artists and agents so instead of sending it to a publisher send it to the artist or the agent who'll give it to the artist that which was great you know great information at the time we're talking about 1979 1980 and because of that when they went she said you can have all your stuff back and publish it yourself which you know which shows what a great lady she is and a great friend still is and um that was it. So that was one of the reasons I decided to start my own record label and publishing company. And see, fortunately, I can play all sorts of instruments. So I built a studio, um, a, a, an eight-track studio, actually. And and I used to just record, layer myself doing these stuff and, and put local records out published by myself to local artists, send them around the clubs, selling the discs, did great, you know, and 
but this, this was the the best advice I ever had from Angie and Ruth. It was fantastic, and it went from strength to strength, you know, and as an example of the stupidity of the music industry. I wrote a song for a wrestler called Adrian Street, um, who who I'd met via. Um, who's that chap you know who worked in in a he's, he's a folk singer worked in that Chester studio um, can't remember his no. name you know him um, can't remember his name now anyway him he he rang me up and said yes with one of your songs here there's there's a wrestler just walked in in Chester wants to sing one of these songs. It was called A Mighty Big Girl, <laughs> which Adrian Street likes to... Uh, this is Rod- Roger Baskefield, I think you're talking Roger about. Roger Baskefield, that was him, yeah. And uh, <laughs> so I went there, and because Adrian Street's gimmick was, you know, the big, uh, the big sort of, I wouldn't say gay, exotic, he used to call himself, because he certainly isn't gay, he's the exact opposite. But, uh, you know, this was his gimmick. And I went there and I met Adrian Street, and we became instant friends because we had the same sense of humour. And I ended up writing and, and making records for him, which he'd take round the ring. Now, one of the records, when I went down to London, uh, I, I used to do a, a bit of work with Mike McGear, who's uh, Paul McCartney's brother. Nothing to do with Paul, a separate thing we, we had going. And Mike said to me, I'm going down to London to push some stuff. Do you want to come with me? And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, I'll give you 100 quid. This is what I said, this is the sort of guy he was, a lovely fella. I said, what for? He said, oh, expenses and everything. He said, I'm getting a few bobs, so I might as well cut you. So that was it. See, these are the, these are the nice people of the world. And um, went down to London, and I thought, I'll take this. I wrote another song for Adrian called um, Imagine What I Could Do To You. He's asking the question on this record. You know, I can pull a tree out by its roots. And, and knock a hole through a solid concrete wall. So imagine what I could do to you. You know, that, that, that's, that's the question he's asking. And um, it was fantastic. And I, I wrote this designed for him to come into the ring to. So it was, it's only two minutes long, the record. And I thought I'll, I'll, I'll get, so as he enters, as he comes out the hallway, and everyone's looking at him and he's waving his hair backwards and forwards as he did. The song's playing, bam, bam. And when he, it, it's worked out that when he gets actually into the ring, it stops. It stops dead. There's no end to the record, really. So I took this down with me. This, this just shows you. I took this down with me to, I think it might have been RCA. It was one of the big companies. Um, uh, Mike was pushing his stuff. And I got talking to this boffin. And I said to him, is it worth me sending any cassettes here? He said, well, that wall over there, he said, it was like about a 20-foot high wall with a, 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 a 30-foot long with cassettes to the roof, to the top of it and, and side of it. He said, they came in today. He said, so there's your answer. He said, we'll listen to about 10 of them. And the rest will go in the bin. So, Actually, so we'll, it's quite interesting. So, we'll, so while, while I'm here, I said, I'd like to play you this song of mine. And I had the record, Imagine What I Could Do To You, which is terrible. You know, I knew what he, the answer would be. It was a joke. So he puts it on. And as it's playing, his eyes are glazing over <laughs> slowly. And it just finishes. Imagine what I could do to you. Bam. And he looked at me and he said, is that it? I said, what do you think? He said, well, I would think. He said, 
I know. I don't think. I know it's the worst record I've ever heard. <laughs> and he said, he said, I don't think the world will ever be ready for it. So I said, can we put that on the label? He said, can I quote you on the label? He says, yeah. So we put that on the label. This is the worst record ever made. And the... Uh, you know, the world will never be ready for it. RCA Records. Mm. <laughs> well, we're going to hear this record in a minute or two, but I just want, yeah. to, want to pursue a little bit of a line which we're talking about, uh, which is really all about who you meet in life. And, you know, for example, if you've met good parents, there's the first port of call. If your parents are great and they give you the guidance you need, then you're off on your journey. If you meet somebody nice in school and uh, they happen to teach you in a nice way and teach you the right things, you're even further down the road with your journey. Um, if maybe you've made your first jingle and you phone up Radio Merseyside and you talk to a young DJ on uh, Radio Merseyside, uh, uh, who likes your song, uh, M-E-R-S-E-Y-S-I-D-E. I mean, the thing is, it's all about who you, you meet in life. And I'm just reading a headline in today's papers, which is, Andy Murray turned my son's life around, claims mother of Nick Kyrgios, after the Australian struggled with self-harming, alcohol and mental health issues in the years leading up to yesterday's uh, tennis. We're going round in a circle, but we're coming back because it does link in nicely to the point that we're making here, which is basically Andy Murray's mother is a superb uh, influence on Andy Murray. Andy Murray, of course, had that horrible, horrible incident at his school uh, when somebody broke in and started shooting, you know, which, of course, yep. um, yeah. you know, it done Blaine. Uh, there's been songs about it. If you want to look at it, Andy Murray was one of the people in the classroom. And it is all about the people you meet. I mean, I can see at the moment, Kyrgios is balancing between turning up and being a nice guy and seeing, look, this is what Wimbledon really can do for you. Or does he stay with his drugs and maybe he had a token gesture of defiance with his red hat? But, um, you know, otherwise he did look impeccable and he played and controlled most of his game. I think the thing that we're learning from what we're talking about today, and especially what you've just been telling us with your um, song is that if you meet the right people who give you the right influences and guide you, even though they don't know they're always guiding you. I mean, they mightn't say, I am giving you a lesson, Don, on how to behave. But Angie McCartney's obviously had a huge influence on you. And yeah, she, but, you, but you see, it's not, it's, it's not a matter of who you meet. You, you don't meet anyone unless you get it out there. You've got to get out there, which I did. You know, I, if anyone was in town, I'd go out. And I always say, I said to the girl in the gym behind the counter, the gym I go to, I said, if Andy Murray walks in, get in his face, make him a cup of tea, and somewhere down the line, he'll remember you. I said, that's how you do it. It's no good look, looking at people in it. Oh, isn't it wonderful? That's what I did. And with my publishing company, as I've said, the only opinion that mattered of my songs was mine because if I thought it was good, I'd release it. You know, it's as simple as that. And I had, I had singers that do it, like Paul Damien with the long word song. But you see, with, with this, when I played this record to this guy, uh, and, you know, obviously it was, uh, it was only a laugh. When he said it's the worst record he's ever heard, that would have gone in the bin. 
that record may paid off my mortgage. Brilliant. That, that's the difference. Yeah. Because Adrian went to the States, uh, got it on MTV, made a video of it as recorded in my studio. Uh, and, and, and made a video over there with wrestling and all that on it. And it got onto MTV and paid off my mortgage. That's the point. You know, if you do it yourself, uh, not that I'm any cleverer than any, anybody else, but I got out there. You, you know, I, yeah, but it could, it could, radio station. I took it in person. Yeah, but but um, right. Sorry, go on. I want to ask you about. Uh, we've only got a couple of minutes because we're near the end of the podcast. Yeah. When you wrote okay. the song for uh, Adrian Street, uh, uh, how well did you know him? Because you know you obviously got his persona right. Did that uh, maybe make him change a bit, or were you in his mind for actually uh, making the song? Well, we hit it off straight away. He used to come up to the house for tea. When he was wrestling on the in Liverpool, him and his wife uh, Linda, he'd come here. It was like a mate, you know. And to write songs for him is dead easy because I'd just write the song. I knew exactly. I wrote. I did two albums with him. You know, songs called "Violence Is Golden" and uh, "The Merchant of Menace." You know, all this stuff, and it was all great. And yeah, I knew he could do it, and and he could sing sort of. And I'd just record the whole thing with me playing the instruments and then just put his voice on top of mine and that was it. But but that's how we did it. But but it, to write songs for him is dead easy. I wrote uh, 22 songs for him in the end and uh, he did them all. We did, we did them on two albums. Okay, well, look, but, uh, um, be, because of the pressures of time, would, yeah. you, would you kindly introduce the song for us? Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is a classic an absolute classic. It's one of the few records that has a um, safety label on it, you know, a health warning. It is entitled by Adrian Street, Imagine What I Could Do To You. I could do to you. Mmm. I could tear a telephone directory in two. Bending iron bars is something else that I can do. I always pick my teeth with the nearest billiard cue. So imagine what I could do to you. Mmm. To see my many attributes won't need a second glance. You know if you resisted, you just wouldn't stand a chance. I can knock a hole right through a solid concrete wall I can pull a tree out by its roots and that's not all Now you know about me, you don't need a crystal ball To tell you just what I could do to you Mmm
I thought of something already. To see my many attributes won't need a second glance. And you know if you resisted, you just wouldn't stand a chance. I can crush your house brick with one movement of my hand. And laugh while I reduce it to a dusty heap of sand. I got a splendid figure when I make my chest expand. So imagine what I could do to you. Mmm, nice. This podcast is brought to you via my favorite platform, Skype. <laughs> <laughs>